0: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom, to whom I send you and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Psalm is number 71, verses 1 to 6. In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and set me free. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. You are my crag and my stronghold. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the clutches of the evildoer and the oppressor. For you are my hope, O Lord God, my confidence since I was young. I have been sustained by you ever since I was born. From my mother's womb you have been my strength. My praise shall be always of you. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the first letter to the Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. endures all things love never ends but as for prophecies they will come to an end as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will come to an end for we know only in part and we prophesy only in part but when the complete comes the partial will come to an end When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known." And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. May the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today, as we proceed through Jesus's ministry, we are reminded of Jesus's prophetic ministry. Classically, Jesus is understood as prophet, priest, and king, and today we have a a little episode of Jesus in his capacity as prophet. And interestingly, there are some resonances with the other readings in the lectionary today, and really that's where my thoughts um, originate this morning. But we'll start with the gospel reading. Uh, the gospel reading, of course, is Jesus doing his prophetic work. And um, the, the sad reality is that the people uh, uh, for whom the prophecy is intended or maybe most relevant are the people least likely to want to hear it. And so you have no prophet is, um, is accepted in the prophet's hometown. That's the, that's the, the, the heart of the gospel reading and the reason of course is um is in that little bit from the call of jeremiah that bit at the end of this uh, this section here where it's where the point of prophecy is to pluck up and pull down and destroy and overthrow because you can't build up or plant until you pull out the stuff that's in the way So there's a destructive quality to prophecy. Prophecy is a way the word of the Lord comes to humanity and it usually has to do with the things that are in the way, that are getting in the way of our relationship with God and each other. And those things have to go. They have to be plucked up and pulled down. They have to die in order for something new to be born. And so the consistent message throughout the scripture of God's work with humanity is of a tearing down and a building up, a death and a rebirth Um, uh, uh, the 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 wandering through the wilderness all of old israel that was born in the egypt had to die so that the new generation born in the wilderness could inherit the promised land and of course that story continues through jesus so that his own death and resurrection becomes the primary lens through which we understand what god is doing with humanity and that, that what God is doing with humanity is consistent throughout Old and New Testament, throughout the whole story. There's a, there's a wonderful unity of purpose and of theme in the scriptural story. And so you have the call of Jeremiah, which is archetypal of the call of every prophet, which is that God has words that the people need to hear and he needs a mouthpiece. And so Jeremiah is the mouthpiece. Jeremiah is just the one who's got the job. And it's not because Jeremiah has any special qualities it's just because God chose Jeremiah and it's not your words Jeremiah it's the words that I will give you it is the job that I give you and it's my work that's happening through you and don't be afraid because it's my work I'm in charge of this it's not you it's not your work and so Jeremiah too had a a mixed reaction to the words of the Lord that he was given for his audience and this this notion of the prophetic tradition is, of course, our tradition as well. We, like I said last week, we are the body of Christ. Christ's ministry is our ministry, and so our ministry is a prophetic ministry. And the and the first thought that occurred to me is that I've heard a lot over my um, my ministry as a priest, but also my ministry as an active person in the church since my teens. The the word prophetic has been in the air. And it's been in the air, particularly in the the social justice side of the church, where we see what's wrong with the world and how people are being treated poorly and how people are suffering and how that suffering needs to stop. And there's always that sense that the church is called to prophesy. The church is called to point out where society is going wrong and point the way towards uh, more love for neighbor and for God. The prophetic tradition, of course, is very attractive to a young clever person, and so I identified with the prophetic tradition as as I am now older and I hope wiser i 'm um, sure I had good things to say, and that God had given me good things to say in my earlier ministry, but there is a there 's an attraction to the prophetic tradition from the ones that want to be doing the prophesying that 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 uh, that the motivation is I am upset and I need to say something and people need to listen to me and so I am being prophetic right now and there's a self-serving, a egotistical quality to that. That prophetic, um, the the or the the self-conscious adoption of the prophetic tradition that we must be careful of. The the true prophetic tradition is that the message is the important thing, not the messenger. And it doesn't matter who the messenger is and it doesn't matter how eloquent the messenger says it or how clever or insightful the messenger may be. It's the message itself. And certainly... Having had some uh, miles under my tires now, some of the most prophetic messages I've heard have been from the least articulate members of our community, where they just had a feeling and a sense, and they blurted out something, and it was the most insightful thing in the room, in the conversation at the time. So the first point in my reflections about prophecy is that it's about the prophecy and not the prophet. And the church must be very careful when looking at its own prophetic calling, and be focused on the message, not the messenger. Um, the, 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 there's so much that's seductive about it, and I, 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 I could rant for a while. And I'll just I'll leave it there. Which, it, but it does segue into the the other point, which I which occurred to me in reading these readings, and that is, we have this wonderful third reading on the same day as we read about Jesus being rejected by his hometown and we hear about the call of Jeremiah who's thrown down a well for his trouble. We have this this wonderful reading about love and it's it's one of the most beautiful readings in the Bible. It is the wedding reading. It's the reading, reading that is always sort of held up as the highest statement of what love is supposed to be about and it is. And we read it on the same day as we reflect on the prophetic tradition and how controversial uh, God's prophetic voice and work is. And so for me, there's a wonderful uh, message in the connection between these two realities because the word of the Lord comes to us as a word of love and as a word of destruction and rebirth these two things have to go together. And I, one of the words of the Lord for me in this collection of readings this morning is that the two sides need each other. The, the message of prophecy needs the message of love and the message of love needs the message of prophecy. When the message of prophecy does not have love at the core, it's just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal and we see this in you know in the in the world and even in our own church where where it when ego takes over and when it's really about something i have to say and my need to control whatever the the context is whether it's the church or the society at large or 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 some other thing where where it just needs to be made right so that i can finally relax um it It loses that genuine prophetic quality. It just becomes an activity in power and coercion and control. We see it in activist communities when, when it starts from the best place of wanting to make the society a, a, a something better and, and, and becomes riven with infighting and with ego and with who gets to control the message and, and all those other side things that distract from that message. And it also uh, infects activist communities when they turn to acts of violence and coercion. Um, the, it, it, it's fascinating to me that the phrase speak truth to power has been so adopted by the secular activist community um, when that phrase was was coined by a Quaker who was looking for a nonviolent alternative for social change. And so because we don't resort to coercion, because we are Christians... Because we have rejected the ways of the world and we have rejected the devil and all his works and so we do not coerce and we do not resort to violence. What do we do in order to to fulfill our prophetic mandate? We speak the truth. That's what we do. We just say, here it is. We don't claim to have power. We don't want power. But we are servants of the truth and so we speak it. And when... When the prophetic side loses the love side, then it resorts to coercion and violence. My last thought is that the converse is true, too. There's another danger for us as the people of God where we privilege the language of love and lose the language of prophecy. Where we, in our compassion, are so eager to say God loves everyone just who they are, with no preconditions, absolutely unconditionally, God loves you. And this statement of love is patient and kind and not envious and all the rest of it is how God, um, God's attitude and disposition is toward us. But we can do that in a way where we can, we can push to one side the prophetic uh, element of God's relationship with us too. Because I know God loves me, warts and all, for who I am and I know all so many warts and there are more that I've yet to discover and God loves me anyway. I know that in my bones and I also know that I need to change. I I know that in my bones too and the word of the Lord when it comes to me usually has both dimensions. I love you and you're getting it wrong and that for me is the best of the prophetic tradition. That's what the word of the Lord is for us as a church. And this really is my final thought. Um, I'm working a lot institutionally right now. I, you know, we, we're, we're not doing a lot of in-person gatherings and courses and stuff like that, but there's a lot of work to do institutionally because the institutional church is struggling mightily with budgets and finances and numbers, and the pandemic is wreaking havoc amongst the, uh, the institutional life of the church. And... The, the the business of being plucked up and pulled down is very alive for me in the life of the institutional church. We don't know what a post-pandemic church is going to look like. We know it's going to be different. I'm pretty sure it's going to be smaller than it was going in. And yet, that can be a prophetic work of God and I believe that it is. I, I believe that God is working with us in love and prophecy right now as a church, in what a church is and what a church means in a post-Christendom world. And there's the opportunity for rebirth and renewal and life, and life abundantly, and life that, is, that we are called to share in a church that looks nothing like the church that we knew and loved when we were young. So I am grateful for the scriptures this morning, I appreciate that wonderful interplay between the love of God and the prophetic challenge of God. I I appreciate that I am like the people in uh, Jesus' hometown, that when the prophetic word comes at me, I'm usually not the one that wants to hear it. And yet at the same time, I know that love never ends. And that prophecies themselves are always partial. We only know in part, even our best prophecies are contextual and relative and prone to error. Love is bigger than prophecy. And so we do prophesy to the world. We listen to the prophetic voice of the Lord in the scriptures and in our own leaders. um, And love is bigger than all of that. And fundamentally, if we become more a people of love and a church of love, then then we are blessed, and then God is with us, and God's work, it's not our work, it's what God is doing, and God will do what God does, what God has always done, and we need not be afraid. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.